Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is episode 143. Actually, in the studio of Connecticut, we got a couple of good buddies here joining us. Pretty, actually, a killer crew. Uh, we'll start off to my left. The Madman Mardik in the house. <laughs> Uh-oh, <laughs> we're in trouble. The Snake Snatcher Schnall from uh, <laughs> Maryland. And Mark Buzzle, Norris to Game Calls. Ooh, that's a good killing crew, huh? Jeez, man. I know we're missing out on Steve. He's on vacation. Happy anniversary to him. He's on his 15th an- wedding anniversary down in Florida. So. Enjoy the hot tub. Yeah, <laughs> the jacuzzi. Good for him, man. I'm actually pretty excited for him. So happy anniversary to him. But no, we uh, we decided we were going to do a podcast. Actually, we were supposed to do one with me and Sean about antlers and shed hunting and everything that we had going on. So then Madman Marduk, while we were gone, he ended up killing a bird. So we're like, all right, well, you got to do a Tales for the Tailgate. But then but then Mark was going to be in town. So we just decided, you know what, let's just collaborate together and let's have a podcast. I mean, I guess that's a real podcast in studio. So what's better than that? Um, let me just go through the housekeeping and all the things that we have to go through. And then uh, we're going to let the chains uh, come undone. So first but not least, uh, sponsors. We'll start off with Huntworth, HuntworthGear.com. If you guys don't have Huntworth, you guys are definitely missing out. Some of the best gear that I've ever used, honestly, uh, especially the early season stuff. It is phenomenal. The, they have the butt pads and the knee pads. I mean, for early season and using that stuff, it's it's rugged as a winter tire, honestly. Bowfishing Magazine, bowfishingmagazine.com. If you guys are bow fishermen or even if you're not or interested in it, go and check those guys out. They got some good stuff. And then Nor'easter Game Calls, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Get them in close. Uh, there still is a ton of turkey calls, turkey pot calls, box calls. You name it, you need it, they got it. Uh, head on over to there, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Get those. Also working on uh, the grunt tubes. Deer season starting to roll into effect. Uh, so we got the Jurassic Series. I'll let that go. Um, good stuff. You guys have probably seen those that have come out. So get on over to nor'eastergamecalls.com. Uh, we are also partnered with Latitude Outdoors, latitudeoutdoors.com. They make the Method and the um, Classic two great saddles. Uh, there is some more stuff. They did a little bit of a release on their new uh, platform. There's more stuff to come with them. We'll have them in a couple of episodes, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Zeus Broadheads, Nor'easter. Oh, wow. Well, screw that buddy. one up. Yeah, <laughs> you get a double. <laughs> uh, Zeus Broadheads, newerarchery.com. They are the home of the B16, the Zeus Broadheads, the Aries. Uh, they got just about everything that you need. Um, and also, there is a new Broadhead 
coming down the line. So keep your eyes out for that stuff there. So now the housekeeping's done. Now we can have a little bit of fun. What do you boys think? Sounds good. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> so the past, the past. I mean, me and Sean had taken off. When did we take off? We left on a Friday. Uh, we left on a Friday. I'm not sure what the date was. Uh, I don't know. It was like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. You're think. at my place Six. on a Thursday. We were on your house on a Thursday? Yes, sir. So it wasn't. So then I guess we didn't. Well, we were in the Northwoods on Friday. We've, okay. We were shed hunting Friday afternoon. So okay. you're right. We were, we were up we went, at Mark's house Mark's on house. Thursday. We were there on Thursday. We stayed overnight after we had left there. Yeah. So we stopped by Mark's house on the way up. Um, kind of, it was cool being in the shop. Mark yeah. made up a really nice dinner that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Deer steak, potatoes, and then play a little bit with the mouth calls and start coming out with something maybe possibly a little bit different. It was cool to play around in the shop and mess around with those things because now we're one on one. Because when we had messed around with those things to begin with, it was like, all right, yeah, here comes a case of calls your way. <laughs> Let me know what you think. Play with this one, play with that one, and then, uh, but it was really nice to be there and just mess around with a couple different things. Yeah, and absolutely. Kinda, I mean, as always. I mean, if you're going to Maine, you got to stop by Mark's shop. I, mean, I agree. It's, just, it's not. It's you can't miss out on that stuff. Um, so then we had taken off into the North Woods, and things just were nuts. I mean, it was it was your first trip into the North Woods. Oh yeah, first time ever being that far in Maine for sure. I've been to Maine one other time. That was for bear hunting last fall, but that was Southern Maine. That wasn't anything like what we were doing. Being up there is something different, dude. It's and especially camping off the grid and being. I don't know. I mean, it's nuts. I don't want to get into too much detail because I don't want to give away too much, but there's definitely... Yeah, I mean, you just have to be really prepared. I mean, we had to make sure we had extra gas and all that kind of stuff that you might need because there's no going back to town and going back home to get anything like that or even calling somebody to get yourself unstuck. Yeah, there's none of that. Yeah, I mean, we have a jack, a come-along. We got first aid amenities, chainsaws. chainsaws. I mean, you have pretty much anything and everything. And Mark, you're from the area, so you know what's... Yeah, if, if, yeah, I agree. If you get stuck up there, you're on your own. You, there is no cell phone service. It's not like you can stand up by the road, wait for somebody to go by. Well, <laughs> well we did a find days. a couple. We did find a couple loopholes in the cell phone service. But oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. I did get a, a call from you while I'm in my turkey blind, setting up on turkeys, and my phone rings, and it's Trevor. I'm like, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It was him. He's like, hey man, I need those pins. I'm like, yeah, I'll get hold of Ethan. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. So there's because what happens is you're getting tell. I guess I, that's like I don't know if it's Can- Canada, Canada. I don't know. If I it's, mean, I've heard of Telus communication before. I don't know if that's what it is. I don't know anything about that, but you will when you get your bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's one thing you got to be careful about. Get roaming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So the first day, the first couple of days were real tough up there. I mean, yeah, just grinding struggled. it out, trying to find different areas and stuff like that. And then running into areas that people had already been, because it was very competitive up there as well. We were seeing lots of other guys out. I mean, there was one guy that was up there, dude. He had 60 browns by the time we had already got wow. there. Wow. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that was just the one guy. Yeah. I mean, he's taking out clients and so on and so forth, and he's constantly up there. And that's one of the negative things about like us going up there is that these guys are constantly researching it. They're there all the time. They're running those roads constantly. I mean, those guys know it. I mean, it's like us with Whitetail. We know where to find the Whitetail yeah, sheds. True. You know, yeah, yeah. so yeah. those scouting guys, comes into play. they're living that, you yeah. know, so it's, that's a huge thing up there. I mean, scouting is a huge part of it. I mean, knowing the right terrain and the right areas to go into, you know, 
you know, like we say, you want the best, biggest sheds, you go into the shittiest clear cut ever, and that's where you're going <laughs> to find the right. sheds. I promise you, they're all there. You guys want to go find them, get in the shittiest clear cut, and that's where you find a shed. Yeah. Um, that's what we looked for the whole entire time that we were there, um, was these bad clear cuts. And um, <laughs> it was some terrible walking. I mean, it. <laughs> It's an ongoing joke, so I couldn't keep it serious for too long. Because um, we always said, because everybody asks, right? When they see that we have brown <laughs> antlers, and I said, Sean, I said, you can't tell. Everyone's going to ask you, bro. They're going to ask, right? They're going to say, well, where did you get your sheds? What do I do when I get up there? And Sean goes, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to find the shittiest clear cut. That's the place to be, I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and get into the center of that thing, and <laughs> you might not even make it out alive, honestly, dude. I don't <laughs> no. uh, so we had picked a couple of spots and we had gone into on one of the days and sean was like he's like dude just drop me off in this corner it's on the back side of this clear cut he goes i'm just going in there i see that there's a clear cut on the map or like you know cuttings and uh i'm like all right dude is it, that's what you want to do right so I go into the other, the, on the high side, I drop him off on the low side. So he comes out and he's like, bro, it's the best sign I ever seen, right? He's like, you got to go through this pine thicket. Yeah, this is when I hadn't seen actually what good sign was yet. I know. Because like, you know, <laughs> I've never been up there before. We're, we're walking around, we're seeing moose shit and everything and moose rubs and whatever. I'm like, yeah, dude, this is cool. Like there's sign around We're I'm expecting to see something. It wasn't crazy sign, but. It was good, and then, you know, yeah, so I'm then, like, yeah, guys, you got to come over here, because this is, like, the best shit ever. So we stop <laughs> from what we're doing, right? <laughs> so we're like, all right, we're going to go down in the corner with, with Sean. He found good sign, you know? That's what we're looking for, good sign. So we go into this this pine grove, and not that, but you have to walk maybe a couple thousand yards to get into it. We get back in there. It had just been cut. Dude, there's, like... There's like mud bogs. There's like tracks from where the machines had gone through. It's like over my head. My dog is dying walking <laughs> over these giant logs. They're like, I'm like, bro, where's the moose sign? Well, there's shit right there. I said, yeah, that's from 17 years ago, dude. We're definitely <laughs> not in the right place. I'm like, all right, we're never letting the newbie decide on what's good <laughs> sign, right? But then we got into them pretty good. I mean, you, yeah. after camp, after the first day, we got back to camp. You decided you're gonna go in the woods and yeah, right across the street from camp, and uh, <laughs> it was a spot that you know Trev definitely would not have wanted to walk in. It was one of those clear cuts. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't have gone in there, but I ended up finding a what a nine pounder, yeah, old one, but it was still really nice, better absolutely. than nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. for for a while, that held the biggest shed that was found yeah. the whole entire trip. I mean, nine pounds is a big shed. Well, I mean, really, well, yeah. Um, what Mikey found one that was pretty big, but oh, other that's than right. that, I mean, me and you both had a nine pounder. And Mikey had one that was bigger than that. So, I mean, it was pretty pretty nice, especially for right across the street from camp. Yeah. And so then the days had kind of gone on. And every single day, man, it was just pick after pick after pick. I mean, it was... I mean, it wasn't like crazy, but it was like slow and steady. We were definitely finding antlers, some brown, some whites. We're getting in the sign. We decided to make the call and kind of go back to some of the older areas that we had already shed hunted previous years. Because we're like, well, we know it. The moose got to be there, so let's go into those areas. And then we ended up finding them, got on some areas. I found a brown uh, on my GPS 20 feet from where I found a brown the year before, which was pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah, and yeah. Sean was like, well, what happens if what happens if you didn't find that brown last year? Then you would have had a brown and a white next to each other within 20 feet. And I was like, yeah, but I'd rather find the brown. Right? Yeah, I agree. yeah, yeah, yeah. You want you want the Browns. You just do. You better do. go back to that spot next year. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. Just it. to, yeah. yeah, you gotta check it. You maybe gotta go be, back for three. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'd be fifty feet. Right? Screw it. But 
I, what I really want to highlight of the of the trip, obviously, is that you found a very unique antler. Um, it was kind of cool because how that had all gone down at first was we were checking out a place. A good friend friend of ours, Rich, told us to go over on this road. So we get up on that road and we come on down and we go down the turnaround. Now this, mind you, this is the second time that Sean has had a road shed next to him within five feet. Didn't see it, and then the person goes back by and then finds it. So. Yeah, so, I wanted to find a road shed the whole time, and like, <laughs> I'm in the passenger seat the entire trip and searching. A lot of times I'd get distracted by looking for sign, but I was searching for antlers, and I couldn't find one. We rode right past one, Mikey picked it up behind us, ride past another one, and, and, and Trev picks it up right behind me, and so I'm all butthurt about that, and we're like, screw it, let's go in the woods right here. No, so that was actually, that would have actually been the third road shed that was found, yeah, because the second one was the two point, and then I just, and then we found, so then... We had gone and turned around, and we come back up, and we're looking down this clear cut. Like, we're like, "Oh, that's good area right there." And I look down, and I go, "Roadshed." And he's like, "Are you kidding me, dude? That's number three roadsheds in front of me." I'm like, ah, "Well, this happens." So, we had gone in there, and it was great sign. I mean, the sign was phenomenal. Oh yeah. And I'm like, but I'm like running up and down the rows. I'm through the cuts. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, good sign, but like, where's all the antlers? Yeah, and we're like dying. Like at this point in the week. It got really hot. I forgot about that, yeah. I mean, it's like 85 in the middle of the day, and that's yeah. not what you expect up there. No, you left when it was going to be 28 up there. The first two days was 26 the first night, 28 the second night, but it would be like 54 during the day, and then it took a turn for the worst. It's 60 at night, 85 during the day. Yep, and, and like, that's welcome to Maine and enjoy the black flies. Yep. And yeah, mosquitoes. And mosquitoes. Yep. And with the dog, it was so hard to run all day long, you know, we couldn't do that to her. Right. So we had gone into this spot and I'm running and I, the radio comes on. He's like, bro, I just found one. And I'm like, you did? What is it? He's like, it's, it's a drop tine shed. A drop tine? And I'm thinking maybe just like this little <laughs> tiny kicker. I'm like, oh, cool. We got one with a little kicker on it. He's like, I got a 20 inch drop tine on it. And I'm like, 20 inch. And I'm thinking in my head, like. 20 inches like does it have like a fucking flyer off the back 20 inches i'm like what is what i'm like cool dude congrats man that's awesome but like what went through your head when you came up on that thing oh dude it was crazy like i said it was so hot out and like we're sweating and everything and going through the nastiest train like i didn't realize how like tall a moose stood off the ground like i'd never seen one before in person and the stuff that they're walking through i mean their belly probably starts where like my head starts so, like, the stuff they're walking through, they're just going over top of that like it's nothing. And it's really like a jungle down below where we're walking through. And I come around the bend, and I see, like, a base through the through the brush. And I couldn't believe it because we'd been sweating, dying, wasn't finding anything all day. And I finally see an antler. I'm like, oh, my gosh, finally an antler. And I come around the bend, and I'm like, what the hell is sticking off the back of that thing, dude? Like, I couldn't believe it. And, uh, yeah, it was a huge, like, it looks like a big elbow coming off the back, and it's, like, 20 inches long. I was like, what in the world? So, of course, we're looking all around trying to find the other side and everything and cannot find the other side. So we ended up leaving the spot because we got too hot. Dog had to go and everything. So we left and um, ended up going back the next day, took Trev and uh, Ruby back in there, searched again, and none of us could find it i don't know what we searched in around that area for an hour before we split away from that zone and couldn't find it well a couple hours later i went back and was luckily able to find the other side but it was only 240 feet away and it 
took us every bit of six hours to find it. That just tells you how thick it is in those areas. It's nuts in there, dude. Because yeah. I was close to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, even I with a dog. I was super close to it. Yeah, even with a dog, you, you were within, within a couple hundred feet. I mean, I don't know exactly, but you were easily within 100 feet of it to 200 feet. I don't know how it's possible that I didn't find it. No, I, especially with a dog. I and mean, everybody, you know, everybody thinks that with a dog, uh, you're going to find all the sheds, but that's just not the case. You know, every time, every once in a while, the dogs do miss them too. And and that's one thing that goes to show too. Like a lot of guys are like the dog, you have a dog. Like we don't go into an area because there was somebody in there with a dog and there was a dog print in there. And you're like, whoa, hold on time out. Like yeah. my dog's good, but it's not that good. Well, even so, you know, your buddy Rich is one of a great shed hunter with a great dog who everybody looks up to that dog on social media that he's a great shed dog and he is same with his buddy ryan they got great shed dogs and they were in an area and they told us they told us they said hey you know we found a couple browns in here why don't you guys go ahead and and check and see if we you couldn't find any of our scraps you know they didn't match anything up so i really wanted a brown we went back in there and within 10 minutes i found my first brown seven pounder you know, so you just never know. You know, nobody's ever going to find all of them. It's just impossible. You can't do it. No, I think that'd be almost like bird hunting with a bird dog where you walk by and all of a sudden the guy's dog behind you locks on point. It's like, my dog was right there. It's all scent. Yeah. Yeah. So just I, the way I would that definitely they go in a spot where a dog was. It wouldn't hurt, wouldn't hurt my feelings. Any. Scent and wind. Yep. Yeah. If it, that wind's everything. not going in the right direction. They could be two feet from it walking right by. Well, I mean, like Turtle, so Rich's dog Turtle. He's like, you know, because everybody in that were, same spot. This the video is in yeah. that same spot. And 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 he rant, rants and raves. Everyone's like, "Oh, you have the best shed dog ever!" And he and then he he jokes about it because he it's funny, right? And he's like, "Yeah, the best shed dog ever." Just walks right by this shed, and he like literally walks it <laughs> until ten, he gets ten pound brown. Walks within a couple feet of it until he catches it. that wind, man. Yep, and that's what's all about. Well, Ethan and I bird hunting pheasant. We see it all the time where my dog will walk on point, and his dog was right there. And then all of a sudden, you can watch the dog come back and say, what are you doing? Then pick that scent up and lock on solid. It's pretty cool to watch happen. It is. And, and sometimes, especially with the fast dogs, mm-hmm. you watch a fast dog working and literally they will be moving so fast and literally they'll catch the scent and they'll literally stop in midair and turn. Almost fall over. And lock up on point or whatever the it's, case may be. Yep. It, it's incredible to watch. It is. It really honestly is. But, I mean, it's one thing like you just – no matter what, if there's a dog or people or whatever, just get in there and do it. Like, what? It's not going to stop yeah, you from bird hunting. It's nope. not going to stop you from shed hunting. Right, you can't exactly. let it discourage you and, and turn you away because you never know what you're going to find. I mean, you just never know. Somebody could have been in the spot where we found the drop time shed. We don't know. I mean, you just never know. And it was a year-old shed. I'm sure somebody walked in there at some point. Oh, of course, but they might not think the same as us because everybody's mind is different. Like, that's one thing with shed hunting. Like, your mind might be different of, like, where you think that a shed might be or what track you want to walk on or whatever the case may be. You know, like, when I had shed hunting with Marduk in one spot, like, he was thinking going up here and I, you know, I'm thinking here. So we're, like, walking different areas. Not everybody thinks the same. So even, you have a different place. Even you walk in the same trails, though, because, I mean, like I said, I looked for the other side of this of the drop time for two hours after I found it. I'm sure I was within 100 feet of it that day as well. I mean, as well, but I couldn't find it. And it just takes, you know, walking down the same trails and the way the sunlight is, you know, the way the shadows are, if it's cloudy, if it's rainy. I mean, there's so many things that variables that can happen mm-hmm. that can change the way that you look at things as well. Yes. And I'm, So the rule of thumb is a shed is exactly where you find it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, really, there is no, no rhyme true. or reason why it's there. No, because because the shit, and that's one thing. I mean, you bring up a valid point. A lot of the times, like all these guys will be in these ideal areas where sheds are. Yeah, 
and I'll get outside of that realm, and I'll go to, like in the in like the thick woods or the the what are they called? The alders. alders. Yep. And you go in the alders, and I'll shed hunt in there, and I'll find sheds in there. Those guys aren't there. Them those moose need to move from point A to point B. No matter what. And they might drop them. They don't know when they're going to drop them. It's the no, same with white Exactly. You, you read where people are saying, you know, check on the other side of the brook where a deer jumps over. The antler will fall off. I'm not that lucky. No. I'm just going to shoot mine and cut them off. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's how Marduk is, too. He's like, I'll yeah. take them attached. Yeah, exactly. Head, right? Same here. <laughs> them are mine. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to find and stuff. And they say, oh, they're participation trophies and whatever else. But... Hey, I'll take a participation trophy any day. I, I agree. I mean, look look at my age, and I've only found like two shed deer antlers my whole life, and wow. I've spent all my life in the woods. Either I'm not looking, which I, I probably don't because I'm, I'm usually deer hunting right. You know, at that time. But even when I'm rabbit hunting and so forth, it's just rare to find. So I, I say you guys going out and doing it, that's pretty cool. It what really do you is. have for a shed season? It goes from snow to turkey season. Well, we have nine months of winter and three months of rough sledding. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the snow melted, turkey season. Yeah. <laughs> July 4th and then winter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And people don't realize that. Like, we were literally up there. It's 80, 81 degrees. I remember it. We're driving down the track. There's Three feet of snow on one side, nothing on the other side. You go in the woods, now it's over your head, and you're like, bro, it's 80 degrees. When we left, when we left on Friday, that Friday was 91 degrees in the truck. That's yeah. crazy. We're sitting in the thing, and I'm like, hey, let's stay one more night. We'll get up in the morning, pack all the gear, and let's get out of here, right? I'm like, we ate lunch. We came back. We ate lunch. It's hot. It's like 80-something degrees. And I'm sitting in the tent because I'm like, it's too hot outside. I said, I'm going to sit inside the tent. I'm laying in the tent and I look at it's Sean. It's even and go, hotter in the tent. Yeah. <laughs> and I says, Sean, we're out of here, bro. And he's like, what do you mean? I says, we're going home. I says, this is enough. What are we going to do? Sit here and stare at each other for the next eight hours because don't get dark until nine. It's noon. We're going to stare at each other. It's hot as hell. It's miserable. We ain't shed hunting tomorrow. You can't sit outside because you burn up and the flies will eat you. Yep. And the mosquitoes, yeah, they're really bad. Dude, yep. the mosquitoes up there. It's the main state bird, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's yep. got to be. Those things are like pterodactyls, bro. Tony, you better be ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. The swamp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's fun, dude. The shed hunting thing is different. It's something that a lot of people don't do. We just have, it's our annual trip. We get to go do it. We visit Mark. We go up there. We hang out. I mean, me and Sean came home with 25. That's cool. You know, it's whatever. I don't care. I don't care if I'm finding chalks. I'd like to find browns, year olds. I don't care. Chalks. I don't care. They're all cool. I mean, it's it's fun to find them. Yeah. And you're like, and just to see it. I mean, they're just even the old ones. Just to see that the antler in general, and that yeah, just everything about it, it's really cool. It, it definitely like I found one um, in one of the cuttings. Uh, well, actually, Ruby found it. Uh, she whooped my ass this year, but which is good that it's getting to that point. But. Um, I come around the corner and she's just wagging her tail. That's what she does. She stands over it. She wags her tail and she freaks out if it's too big and she can't carry it. She's just like, dad, look what I got. Dad, look what I got. And I come around the corner. And so I walk up over, dude. Th- that one had to been there for 10 years. I'm not even kidding. It was no paddle. It was like this big like starfish looking thing on the top, like curled. It was just badass old yeah. one. It was cool. And I'm like, how long has it been there? And imagine how many people shed hunt, how many people go in there. And then you find an old one and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see it, right? I mean, right, like, yeah. whatever. So, and like I said, there's people that I'm sure they they shit hunt all the way until winter again up there, constantly because mm-hmm. it, it's an income for them, and they're hiring the tourists and stuff. You know, the tourists are hiring the guides, I guess, to bring them in and look for sheds. But I, I bet they do. I bet they stay right up in there 
So to find an antler like you did with a drop tine that's not this year's, that's been walked by, I mean, there's a lot of people up in there looking for that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah, and you bring up another valid point, honestly, Mark. A lot of people are doing this for a living. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of money up there. Nope. And they literally, I mean, $20 a pound brown, $25, I mean, 20 to $25 brown. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money. One antler is 250 bucks, you know, roughly, 200 yeah. to 250 bucks. That's And if you find 10 antlers in a day, and if you know where you're going and you can find the browns, that's that's good money. Again, it's going to dry up, but it's a good replacement income when, like you said, they can't log. They can't drive the trucks on the road in there to get any lumber out of there. Almost all my mills are closed anyways. So, yeah, it's a good supplement in, income until you can get a chance to do something different and it's i mean it's it's fun yeah absolutely it doesn't it's good exercise you're up there you're learning the woods you're i mean you're really i mean dude not even not just a shed hunting but to sit out by the fire at night i I mean you've been up there up north you live up there we got to see it it's amazing the stars the i mean it's it's incredible that is there's no light once you get away from the light it's nuts, man. I mean, yeah, like it's so quiet. Every constellation you could ever think of, you can see up there. I mean, it's you want to talk about the things that we enjoy and what drives us outdoors. That's one of the things. I mean, the enjoyment of being up there and being at the pretty much the top of the world and seeing all that is incredible. Yeah, and even being without service for the whole week, I mean, it's nice to you know get away from everything and just you know unplug. Be by yeah, be by yourself and and get to be with buddies and spend time and talk and just share stories without having to be distracted by social media and all the other stuff that's going on in the world, you know. It sucks being away from yeah. it though. Yeah. I was going to say Jared probably got the shakes cuz I know how he loves that social. <laughs> like I said, I got a phone call from him. <laughs> hey man. <laughs> you you'd be driving along and you just how many times did we get phone calls when we had uh, service? Yeah, that was wild. It's like, you know, we don't have any service, and all of a sudden we get service, and, oh, there's we're getting a phone call all of a sudden, so we must have service. It happens. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. So, so Mardik, while we were away, you knocked one down. No. You were back in town. Wasn't I back <laughs> you in town? You were sleeping. Oh. Sean was up. Sean was up. Because we were supposed to hunt. <laughs> we were supposed to hunt. <laughs> we were actually going to hunt together. Yeah. No. Well, we, we talked, talked about, about it. it. Yeah, we so talked about Tre- it on the ride home. You guys were coming back Friday afternoon, I think. Yeah, yeah. it was like midday we left because we ended up leaving early, like we said. It was so. like noon, 1 o'clock when we right, left. Yeah. Right. So by the time you got back into service, you called me and we started you know, discussing plans for saturday and originally we were all three of us me trev sean we were going to get together and hunt but uh the more we thought about it we thought let's split up sean really wanted his connecticut bird which i don't blame him i wanted another bird there's no sense of us hunting together let's split up cover more ground let's knock some birds down so trev's like what's what's your plan in the morning i was like honestly i was thinking about sliding back into that spot where trev had killed the double with me two weeks prior right and it's Trev's spot. I wouldn't know about it if it wasn't for him. So, you know, I'm pretty much asking for permission. And Trev's it's public like, land, bro. Trev, yeah, but I wouldn't do that to you. No, I know. So Trev's like, absolutely, dude. Like, get in there, kill that thing. You know, this is one of those spots where it's not a short drive from my house. It's a pretty long walk. It's, it's not something you can just pop into and, and roost a bird. Like, you know, so it's two weeks in a day. I'm pretty much going in blind. So... I knew, I pretty much knew Trev was still sleeping because I Snapchatted him at 3.10 in the morning <laughs> and it's like 4.45 and he hadn't opened it yet. And that's, that's not like Trev. Trev doesn't miss anything on that. 
<clears throat> so, yeah, so I left my house at 310. And also, this is the same day as Cody's wedding. And I really, really wanted to kill a bird. Well, we had mentioned that actually on episode 140. 40. Yeah, 140. Yeah. So I had a wedding to go to this day, which I, I mean, I know it wasn't really going to affect it. I just like busting his balls. So I'm like, I really want to kill a bird, you know, the day of his wedding. There's a lot of memes about that. Yeah. Hell yeah. There's more coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I get up, I leave the house at 310, drive down there, pull in the parking lot about four, walk into the spot where Trevor taught me to, you know, stop and, and locate from there. So it's like 445. I hit the owl call, my new owl call. Recently learned how to do that. So, uh, nothing. So I give it five, ten minutes, still nothing, still nothing. So I'm like, all right, relax. This happened last time when I was with Trev. So I knew where to make my next move. Got up on top of the hill to the spot where we had heard him gobble that yep. the last time. So I get up there, still nothing. Now I'm getting, I'm starting to think. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. I got up at this early to drive this far to walk in here for i'm not even to hear a bird so i'm like and you know this isn't an easy place to get in and out of it you really can't just back out and shoot down the road to another spot like you're pretty much committed to this area so um uh what did i do i started walking down the hill kind of towards where we ended up finishing that hunt and it was kind of cool because i had never been in there before so um, where the birds that Trev had killed in that double, where they had crossed the wall, I had never seen it in person. So now I got a chance to kind of go over there, see the terrains, you know, kind of start scouting a little bit to see why the birds came, where they came, why they crossed the wall there and whatever. So I'm standing on the property line, looking into private. I let out a couple turkey calls, nothing. And it's pretty open over there. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just back off this wall like 50 yards. I'm going to sit down. Do the usual, drink some coffee, play on TikTok, whatever. And I'm sitting there maybe five minutes. I text Cody, and it was, I think it was 5.36 in the morning. I text Cody, and I was like, this is bullshit. I should have went golfing instead, you know, haha. So I'm sitting there, and the first gobble I heard, I didn't really realize. You ever hear like a, a distant woodpecker knocking on a yeah, tree? Yeah, you think like, it's is a that gobble? a gobble? Yep. And I, I thought it was a woodpecker. I didn't pay it no mind. And then the second time, I was like, that was a gobble. So set the phone down, put the gloves on, put the face mask on, started working the bird, and it was just your classic two-year-old man. He came in just hammering and hammering. And, and it's hammering late season to add and with hammering it. and hammering. Yeah, he's probably lonely. Triple gobbling <laughs> everything. So he was as lonely as Mardik was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if you remember Trev's story from the double, there was that little low spot. You know, we call it a swamp. It was a little wet spot. So. When Trevor killed his double, we were on the... Old people have wet spots, too. Yeah. <laughs> they they got to check them. So when... Help me out with this one. When you killed the double, you were on the north side of the swamp? Correct. And the birds crossed... No, I'm on the <laughs> south side of it. They come from the okay. north. So we were on the south side of the, the swamp. The birds came over the wall on the north side of the swamp. So we had that swamp in between us. So on this day, I'm on the other side of the swamp. So I'm like, perfect. I'm, so now you're I'm, on the north side. I'm like it. 50 yards from where you killed the second bird. And I'm like, this is perfect. I'm on the right side of the swamp. Money. The bird hops the wall. He's on the other side of the swamp. I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's no, how does this happen? You know, but because I had just been uh, 50 yards ahead of me where the wall is, I learned that the swamp actually ends before the property line. And I'm like, hopefully he just kind of, you know, uh, hugs that little boundary between the, the wall and the swamp. 
And that's exactly what he did, and he stepped out. Of- that's one good thing about turkeys. They want to come head on. No matter, I mean, sometimes you get your mature birds, obviously, that'll circle back around you or whatever the case may be, but straight on. They want to walk directly at the, the hen. Oh, yeah. 100%. So you can kind of manipulate them. So I get what you're saying, like, oh, crap, he's going to circle back. Now he's going to hit the swamp or whatever. But you kind of know in your mind there's a dry spot. So he's now going to cut back from the south to the north right. and come in and come directly at you because you're facing to the east. Right. Yeah. But the way it worked out, so I'm on the edge of the swamp, right on the right on the edge. So I'm facing east. The swamp's running east-west. The property line's running north-south. So he actually stepped out broadside because he had to come around the edge of the swamp yep. to get to me. And I, I was going to play the game with him, try to get him real close, and... That you know how it is in there. The timber's so open when you get away from that swamp. When he made that corner, he start, he picked his head up. He was looking for the hen, and I I know what's behind me. He can see 150 yards, and I'm like, you know what? He's gonna start realizing what he's looking for is not here. I said, let's just end this game right now. And you know, I pulled the trigger, and typical, he didn't go nowhere. He just rolled right over there. So I text Trev, who he was still sleeping. I said, you got your cigar ready. <laughs> And then I think I end up getting a hold of Sean. Yeah, Sean's yeah. Sean's like, the, the truck's still loaded up. <laughs> yeah, I was awake, but we ended up realizing that I couldn't get my license. And oh, that's right, too. Yeah. Yeah, because I had to call. I think it's a funky state when it comes to that. Right, I had to call the licensing office and everything, and they weren't open until Monday, so we were kind of screwed on my morning hunt right. either way. But we just took the morning to rest anyway. And yeah, re- you guys from the drive. It, yeah. yeah. You figure we didn't get in until almost 11 o'clock that night. Right. And then to get up at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was, I mean, sun long. up right now is stupid early, we learned today. Yeah, we didn't even really know where to start either. Yeah, we were. Yeah, like, been what are we going to do? Week, right, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things, every year I do that. Come home and everything's grown in. And you've scouted these birds in all these areas, all these bird feeders, and you're like, well, where are they, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, just in those two weeks, it, it's a different world in there from when we were in there last. I can only imagine. It's, it's a different world, yeah. Could only imagine. Oh, yeah. And it's, what are you going to do? And one of the games that you have to play with some of them birds is if you don't have a decoy, which sometimes good, sometimes bad, especially later in the year, I don't like running too many decoys or a decoy at all because what happens is if they've gotten their ass kicked or, you know, they've now seen, how many times has a bird got called in and seen a foam decoy and is like, what is that? That thing doesn't move. That thing doesn't... You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot of things that potentially could be wrong. Sometimes it's money. They run in on it, and they do what they need to do, but sometimes they don't. So hunting without a decoy, especially they can see long distance, I get why you made that shot. There's nothing else yeah. you can do. I'm not good enough to play the game. You know what I mean? Like, take the first good shot you got, and I would have just screwed it up, or who knows what the bird would have done, you know? he, he we're, I'm, I mean, It's hard to say, but when you shot your double, there was three long beards. And where he was and where he came, I, I'm willing to bet it was that third bird. So he's been. You think two, so? He let two. Yeah. He already had two. Two of his buddies shot right in front of him in the same spot. And John Public, who knows who else right. has been in there messing right. with him? I mean, it's it's a toss up. Yeah. This time of year, it's definitely a toss up. You got to make that shot when you can make it. I mean, right. it, I mean, in our instance, because Sean had actually shot his bird on Monday, and. You just use that terrain to your advantage. You didn't have a terrain to well, use. Well, I used that edge of that swamp. You right. I mean? And then and I had the stone wall. The east, I had the stone wall. 
and to the north I had the swamp. So I thought he was going to come over the wall. And by the time he came over the wall, it's too late for him. But he, he just happened to come. You know, they're turkeys. They do whatever they want to do. But, you know. We all know that. But that's a key. That's what I'm learning is you always want to have some kind of something to just block their line of sight. A stone wall, a hill, a thick spot, something so they can't see, say, at 60 yards, 50 yards. And then by the time they break that barrier, like come over the wall and can actually see what they're looking for, they're already in, in range and you already got a beat on them. So that's yeah, a picture perfect a chance, scenario. Yeah. Right. That's a picture perfect scenario where what happened with Sean, because we had gone into a piece of public. Um, first off, the morning we ended up, and and this is where it's a negative too, because when you're using that to your advantage, so we get into a spot, we strike up a bird, we decide we have to now go a little bit further because I know that there's a clear cut. Now we can play the game. So I said, all right, we're gonna get into this clearing. So we get up into that clearing. I had struck a bird on the way up, said, let's get to that clearing. We'll get in that clearing. Now we can play the game. I start calling three, four, five sequences, nothing back, nothing back, nothing back. And I look at Sean and I'm like, dude, can he not hear me? Maybe he's over the knoll. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he can't hear me. I don't know. He heard us on our way up the hill, but we had gone a little bit farther. So maybe he couldn't hear us through through the foliage and the leaves. I mean, who knows, but. He wasn't responding, so. So I was like, well, what I got to do now is I got to get back over into that bubble and now try and strike him up again. Go over the knoll and start working down. There he is. He's standing right there. He came in silent on us. Typical late season move anyways, or one that's where he's been. He's not the aggressor in the situation. So now he's afraid to make that noise to, to then the aggressive more mature bird is going to beat him up you know what i'm saying um so we blew that hunt that hunt went to shit in a handbasket pretty quick moved on to the second one there was nothing on that one nothing there Uh, and then the third one is when when it got good and we played that so we ended up walking in there got on the first knoll no, we didn't no, get nothing no, to go. Nothing gobble. on the first knoll, about another 100, 200 yards up, struck one up. But it was off. Yeah, same thing like you said. I mean, barely in, in ear distance, you know, and you could barely hear the guy. I didn't even hear it at first. It was that far. Like, right. literally, like, like barely could hear it. Sean's like, did you hear that one? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Hit the call. All right, now I got him. So, and we're like, all right. Sean at first was like, well, what? We set up right here, and I was like, "No, no, no, hold on. We got to back up twenty yards because now we're at the top of the knoll, and we're, we're trying to shoot the sound down into the valley. We got to back up twenty yards. Now let's put the hill in our face. Now when he pops over, he's at fifteen yards. He's done. He's dead to rights. If we can get him to come over that knoll, he's done. I mean, he can't see us, and with the hills and the valleys, it's wide open. So now he can get on the next knoll up, see." that there's nothing there. Now he's, you know what I'm saying? Now you're starting to get a little bit crazy. So we set back 20 yards. And <laughs> Dude, every time he touched a call, it was just, he lit it up every single time. I mean, over a hundred. Double gobbles. goblin, three, triple goblin, like things. And he's, he's like, ah, 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 ah. like he was like, I, he was making the funniest noises. He's like, he's thinking it's a Jake. I kind of thought it was a Jake at one point. Like, he gobbled. 
And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, yeah, it was really weird. It was it was different. I've never heard gobbles like that, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh so he but he's taking his time and he's like he'll he'll come, he'll gobble, he'll strut. I mean, this is in my mind, I'm thinking. He's like strutting, stopping, then you call and you come a little bit closer, stop, strut, kind of worked his way in, but he's just dude howling at the moon. Like you wouldn't call any you're like, all right, bro, <laughs> hold on a second. And uh, then you get him to come. And then he come up. I, I He was close. And I'm like, dude, how much closer is he going to get before we can't? Because I can't yeah. see him. I'm set back about seven yards. like Off left my left seven. shoulder, yeah. Back like diagonal off my left shoulder. And we're sitting, like you said, like 20 yards off the backside of the hill. So as soon as he comes over the hill, he's he's 20 yards or less. And um I'm sitting there and he's he gobbles one last time right over the ridge and I can tell at this point right where he's gonna pop out at and now I can see his fan coming over the hill he's strutting and I can see a full fan I'm like doesn't look like a Jake to me but the one thing that was really weird about this bird is he had like on either side of his tail fan there was like holes in his in his feathers like there was like missing pieces of feather and everything and um anyway he comes out of strut and he's 18 20 yards and I was like yeah I've had enough I ain't gonna let you have any any more chance of that but uh, he was looking for the hen, and Trev was back behind me. The only thing, unfortunate, is I didn't know he was behind a tree, and Trev couldn't see him. So uh, I never saw him until he – I didn't even know he was going to shoot. Just boom, and then he comes out. And then I'm like – he. it was weird yeah, when he had shot. Yeah, it was really weird. Uh, I, I pulled the trigger, and the bird jumped straight up in the air. And I was, there's no way I missed him. But he jumps straight up in the air, and he hits the ground – and he just hunches up real quick, and Trev's like, shoot him again, shoot him again. So I'm not even watching the bird at this point. I'm shuffling around trying to get another shell because I'm shooting a single shot. And uh, I'm reloading the gun, and Trev's like, he's dead, he's dead. And I look up, and the bird's dead on the ground. Do you know how helpless I felt, though? I didn't have a gun. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> the bird's, like, doing weird things. And you're like, well, go get him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm like, go kick his ass. Well, he starts running up, and he ends yeah. up grabbing Trev's not him. really built for speed. <laughs> I tried all that. <laughs> I tried that in the first day. I said, no more. Turkey season, no more, no more. I learned my lesson. Yeah, but I, I really thought it was a Jake, just like you said, because it was the weirdest gobbles ever. And we, I run up on the bird, and I grab his leg. And, yeah, he had some needles on him, I think, like inch and a quarter and, and like a nine-inch beard. But it was a little scraggly beard, but it was it was a nice bird. And really weird. Uh, he only weighed, uh, what, 16 pounds? Yeah, almost, not even. He was like 15, nine, six. That's wild. He had an injury to him. Yeah, he did have like some uh, around his like shoulder area. He was injured. I don't know if he had a broken wing or what was up, but yeah, he was he was definitely messed up. And his feathers were all weird, scraggly beard. I don't know. It was weird. Did he get shot at or shot? That's what I had thought, but it I don't could have. But like, there was no damage to the breast. You know, it was just up near like the shoulder area. I don't know. I don't know what was wrong. Like, there was definitely some sort of infection though, because it was all like yellow and pussy and green. Because we cut the wings out because we were making some wing bone calls out of the out of the wings, and where I cut the joint at the shoulder, it was all like green and pussy up in there. So I don't know. Ew. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. No. I wouldn't eat it. No. No. <laughs> but it just goes to show how resilient they are, though. Well, I mean... Just, yeah, turkeys, deer, all that stuff. Wild animals just amaze you anytime you, you make a bad shot, they'll make you pay for it. They just disappear. Like, my turkey this yeah. year, I said, head on, 37 yards, pow, on his face, unzip the blind, run out, gone. That's in, that's insane. It doesn't even make sense with a, you know, a three-inch mag at him with TSS. Weird. But they are, they're, they're tough. You make a mistake and they'll make you pay. 
Every single time. Yep, deer, turkey, anything, partridge. It, do, it doesn't matter what you're shooting at. Did he like? Did yours like shake it off? He did a face plant. I mean, I hit him and he went like you said. It kind of it blew him backwards and he kind of jumped up and then he landed on his face and he was just flapping his wings on the ground like the death dance. So I unzipped the blind. I figured I'm good to go. So I went running out of the blind and he's not there. There's three of them running off, which was there was two hens. So I'm like, well, see ya, see ya. Wow. What are you gonna do? Nothing. Right, you don't want to hit a hen. Yeah. Nope. So I tracked into the woods the best I could to try and catch up with him and. Of course, turkey's a little faster on the feet than my fat body. So right. He outran me. I looked for blood, everything, nothing. I, I'm sure he, he took a, you know, a fair amount of lead. Well, of that TSS, and he just, he's probably dead now, unfortunately. But it becomes the cycle of life. Something that's else will eat him. just the way that it goes. Yeah. I mean, that's, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, we had a discussion about this, and, and I'll bring this up because I think it's a good conversation. Um might be right, might be wrong. I don't know, but it's a discussion that I've had, and it's a thought, right? You shot your bird. You know that it had died. I shot my bird. You know that it died. Like a deer, you wound a deer. You know it dies, but you yep. can't find it. Do you punch that tag? If you're duck hunting, you do. Right. Well, this is the conversation. And That's there's no we right talking. answer. Yeah. There's no, no that, right or the, wrong answer on this. No, I, I agree. And it's... It, I don't know. That's an odd one. I mean, I, I wouldn't have a problem saying, yeah, I took a miserable shot. I, I'd punch a tag for it. I whatever. would, too. I don't have a problem That's with that. That's the right thing to do in a lot yeah. of situations. I mean, especially in somewhere where you're allowed five birds, if you're wounding, let's say you... You're just a miserable you wound, shot. Right. Yeah. Let's say you wound two of them, and then you go kill other, five other ones. I mean, now yeah. you've potentially killed seven. Yeah, you can clean an area so like, real quick. You know, something like that. I mean, I feel like you should be more... Pay attention to what yeah. you're doing a little bit better. And maybe if you do wound a bird, maybe that one should count towards it. But somewhere like where I was hunting in Delaware, where you're allowed one turkey, if you something goes wrong with your one bird, and there's a lot of birds down there, but they only allow you to kill right, one. exactly. If something goes wrong and you don't find your one bird and now you check that one off your list, well, now you don't even get a turkey for oh, the year. No, no, you don't. That's a clean mess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's no wrong... I mean, right. I, it's, it is what it is. I personally, in the back of my mind, I keep it in my mind. Yep. If I shoot and I hit one and I, I know that it's going to die, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I'm only going to shoot four this year. I mean, I'm giving five. Yeah, that's, it, a, that's a pile of birds. You know, and, and it's... Because you can... You can decimate an area. And I shouldn't be shooting five to begin with when you're given five. I mean, I try not to. Am I really, you know, another controversial aspect of it is I get five tags, but I brought you hunting and shot one in one of the areas. We went and hunted in one of the areas. We're going to go hunt in one of the areas. All three of you, we're going to go to those same areas. And we all have that many tags. Correct. crazy. You know, so, I mean, it's. It's that's one 20, of those that's things. That's 20 birds you could clean out of this area. That's insane. It's it's nuts. And yeah. and it really it hurts on it. So in the back of my mind, if I if I've already I've already shot in two in in state, right? One, two, yeah, I only shot the double. Three? The bow. Oh, I shot one with the bow. So for me, then I have I have two tags left. If I don't fill those two tags, I'm okay with it. I technically shot and killed one yeah. and it went on its way. And I'm fine with it. If I shoot one and I get an opportunity, then so be it. But I'm not going to push for that five. I'm just going to leave it alone. Yeah, that, you that know is, what I'm saying? That is I mean, nuts. So I said, even in Maine, you know how many birds we have. Yeah. And we get two tags. And I'm hoping it's, that they don't increase it. You know, if you really enjoy turkey hunting, because if they do what they're doing to you, five tags, yeah. that will start getting more people out there. Because we don't really have a lot of turkey hunters. It, they will decimate it. And, 
you know, and and Marta can contest for this. They wanted that for participation. Yeah, for the money. For they the money. You, yeah, they want you to buy the license. But the whole my whole thing on that is is exactly this. You came down out of state. You came out of state. Will came here out of state. They make it so hard for you all to get licenses, yeah, but they want crazy. participation. Yep. And then they give you a three-day license, and then they, you have to get the resident game tag. So mm-hmm. really, what they should do is get rid of If they want participation and money, and it's all about the money, and that's what it is, make you guys buy your licenses and the res and the tech like you know right. why why make you like why allow you to kill more if they want participation in five years there's going to be no participation there's going to be no birds to shoot correct yep so where's the participation going to be coming from and right. we're already starting to see that yep. i mean how many times have you seen that in so spots bad. i mean it's yeah. it's one of the good things that i've heard this year and 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 you know thankfully Guys are seeing big clutches, 10, 15. That's what I'm seeing this year up, up home as well. It's just insane. I mean, I sent you the pictures. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, there's 20 hens and, and like eight or nine toms in one field. It's like, holy crap. And that's constantly. So that's pretty good. And like I said, right now, it's almost any field you want, for the most part, you can you can call in a, a turkey. That's That's great. That's really good. Yeah, it's it's really nice. And to, only to kill two birds. And two birds, which I'm good with. I'm, and then in the, in the two fall... It's this is where, like you said, participation and, and like Sean was saying, it's foolish. Last year it was, I think it was, four, you could shoot four or five in the fall, and they didn't have us tag them. Well, so, so how did you keep track of anything? That that makes no sense at all. So you literally could go out shoot four birds, and you didn't have to. You're done, but you didn't tag them or register them anywhere. That makes no sense for the state could ever follow how many birds were harvested at the end of the year. And then you're going to start a brand new season with go ahead and shoot two. And then at the end of the season, don't worry about tagging them. I could see during COVID, they didn't have us tag them because nobody was open. But that's how it was last year. And that's foolish. But what would be the the point of that when it's conservation study? None. None. That's what we're here for. Yeah. I even, Ethan had had, uh, harvested some birds. And I gave him hell. Yeah, you're gonna have to register that. And he goes, No, they're, they're not having us register them. And and so I looked into it, and I'm like, oh, You're wrong. You got you got to register them, tag them, and so forth. Right. No, the, the state is just, yeah. That just makes no sense. You, you you have no way of knowing what happened last fall in Maine. None. And the eastern seaboard's numbers are down right now. Yeah. So you can tag your bird, but you you know, in the in the spring, and then in the fall, it's. Eh. Has Connecticut put their numbers out yet? I don't think so. I don't think they put out last year either. I don't know. I don't want to see him, to be honest with you. Well, hopefully, like you said, the big clutches will continue. Like I said, it's been a lot of fun for me. I mean, just a few times I've gone out, every time I've gotten hit you know, with something. like Again, like the Ridge Runner. I was using the Outdoor Drive Ridge yeah. Runner on that first big tom that snuck by my left that I didn't get. Um and then when I was in the field, I was, quote, unquote, playing with my mouth calls. <laughs> I, I suck at it, but at least I posted the video. Yeah, licking, licking that you latex. Know, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm ripping on the latex. And, uh, I mean, it, it's I'm not good at it at all. But what was funny is, as shitty as I was with it, I've got four jakes in front of me just gobbling, just striking off. And I'm like, this is insane. I mean, evidently, I do sound better than I thought. But then I noticed if a crow... They'd do it. I think if you honked the horn on a truck, they would gobble. So I, I can't give myself a bunch of credit, but it was fun. And so, like, so with those numbers up like that, and again, you're down here and you're seeing the birds. I mean, obviously, we're seeing them posted online. You're doing good. Um, I mean, you got the new line that we did, the little prototype I built. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun if this clutch stays and people stop backing out and don't do what you said, shoot five birds. 
See, if, you know, I'm okay with the five birds, right? I mean, we're not going to be able to change that, right? No, but your chances of everybody getting five are pretty slim. There's no guys are going to hammer it that the part hard. There's that, a handful the of us that are. that I don't get, if, across the country, a lot of states went down with their limit. I know Georgia, Alabama, a Ohio lot of states. Ohio did. Uh, Ohio dropped from two every, to one this year. Everybody wow. went from two to one, three to two. We went to five. We did the we've complete, been on five for three, four we years did, now. We've done the complete opposite of every other state. Okay, you don't want to change the five, and it's one thing that we probably can't change. But one thing that we do need to change is one bird a day. So that at least yeah, they have did to that work in the fall. It. it was you could have four, but only two a day. Okay. So, which is kind of cool. But same thing if you want to change it down here is don't shoot five jakes. I mean, that's next year's harvest. You're allowed one tom, one jake, or let's say two toms, two jakes, something like that, where you, 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 you don't allow these guys to kill off next year's birds. Yeah, because you do see that posted a lot. Where I'm fine with again, any anything as a trophy, I'm right. good with that. But when you literally are going to post, I shot all three of these jakes or four jakes, uh, you know, with two shots. Uh, that's come on now. I mean, worst. I could have done the same thing, but me, me and Maddie the sat the Saturday before I killed that last bird when you guys were up in Maine. Me and Maddie could have killed five jakes, hundred percent between my gun and his gun. It would have been. A, bloodbath yeah, two There's rounds no way these birds are leaving this field we didn't even, we didn't even take the safety off the gun no because they're, they're not educated yet they're no. very young birds and like i said if again watch my video on they're stacked East calls on where, top of each other yeah 20 yards in front of me four birds and i sound i don't know what i sound like kind of like a turkey and and they're just striking off and i'm <laughs> you laughing look like I mean, a turkey <laughs> yeah i was actually you can hear me laughing on the video I'm like you guys are stupid it, but again if i wanted to harvest one okay get you one bird but stop don't, don't keep killing the jakes off. Don't do it. My thing is, listen, like, just like, you know, small deer, whatever you want to shoot, I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm totally happy yeah. with. If, you know, because that guy, you know, that may be able to get out one Saturday Absolutely. or he may be able to take out his kid and that's the memory that he's going to make. I'm all about it. You can shoot anything that makes you happy or anything that's legal. I am 110% behind it. And I've said this again, time and time again, is that. If you're going to shoot, whatever you're going to shoot, just, you know, it's like in the deer the deer example. Don't be passing does just to shoot or, or say you shot a buck and be like, oh, well, you know, you're passing does. You just want to shoot someone with antlers. That's fine. Just say that. Yeah. Don't, don't say that you're just doing it because you need it for the meat. No, you pass three does and then now you're shooting... A small buck. That's different. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do that. Or or don't shoot three jakes. Like, take your one jake. We're trying to just justify it, that you're shooting it because somebody else will. Like, just say you shot it because you wanted to shoot it. Right. There's no reason to say, oh, well, if it walked by somebody else, they would have shot it. Because guess what? That deer didn't get big because it didn't walk by anybody. Right. I'm sure it walked by other people that didn't shoot it. You know? So, occasionally, you're going to get those times where... They're not going to get shot, so everybody can do their part and 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 help out. You know, my problem is that these guys are shooting three jakes in a day, yeah, or they four. go and they or they Season go and four. or they shoot two toms one one day, and then three days later they shoot two more jakes, and it's like, bub, you you shot your your toms. Why are we going backwards and shooting jakes? Yeah, that makes no you're sense. You're just shooting things yeah, to shoot you, things yep, now. Now you're being a killer. Right. You already have right. meat in the freezer. I saw one guy, two toms, two jakes, same property, same day. Yeah, that's yeah. And then he's gonna complain next year that there's no meat. There. I can't find it. Yeah, I can't find any birds. Can I hunt on your piece? 
Right. Yeah, because you killed them all. I mean, you can kill whatever you want. Like Absolutely. it is what it you is. You have but, five tags. Fill well, them. But well, that's that's a problem. You can make the argument. You know, like uh, say we're complaining about the pot. We're seeing a decline in population. You're seeing a decline in the population. Well, this guy that shot two Toms and two Jakes in one day, he's not seeing a decline in population clearly because no. he's got all these birds on his property. Yep. By the time he sees it, it's, it's too already late. too late. Yeah, it is. It's already too late. <clears throat> yeah, like that field where you see my video. There's those four Jakes and the one big Tom all the way across the field that I wanted, and there's no hens in that field. Zero. That's that's odd. I think there's a, a hen nested on the island where the big uh, where the big tom was, but that's kind of odd that I'm not seeing the hens in that one field. Yeah, it, why does it do that? I I don't know. That's there's always been hens there before, but I don't know why there's an issue in that field where it's the first time I've seen it like that. I've always gone up there and had like a bunch of toms. Like a couple of years past, I had the, that double I did. There was six toms running at me. But there's always like two or three hens. That's very odd for that area. You'd think there'd be at least five or six, seven hens in there, but nope. No, it's all jakes. So again, like you said, you keep shooting those jakes, and those hens, those four, four or five hens don't get bred, you're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. one of the problems that we had in Maryland. Yeah. There'll be, there'll be th- three toms and nine hens. That is I- an issue to try to hunt them now. Good luck. Oh. I, I had a bla- blast. That, that hunt I told you about where we had those five jakes. Uh, me and Maddie were hunting. There was one long beard in there. There was five jakes, and there was probably like four hens. And we were we were running circles with them half the day. But it was f- fun because I almost made a connection where it's almost like hunting a, a target buck. You know, you're letting all these does pass. You're letting these younger bucks pass because you're you're after this one target buck. Well, we've got seven, eight turkeys on this piece of property, and we're trying to get this one long beard, not the jakes, not the hens, that one. One bird that's in in the group and trying to you know cut through all those other birds to yeah, get yeah. So to you're that just tar- having fun with them. Like I was bird. doing. Who, yeah. who cares? Right, right. You're you're trying to get one bird out of a group of birds because he's the only long beard in there. You know, and, and that's what makes it fun. Like I said, I didn't want the Jake, so I'm I'm hollering everything at him because and that is fun. And you do learn. Like I said, when they did, yeah, they went across. Them. They started picking on the tom, and then they're chasing crows, and here they come again. So I get a chance to see how they're reacting to the call as I'm using the pot call. How they're and then I stopped calling all together when they got close to the decoys, which, like I said, was 20 yards. And they just stood there looking at the decoy, and then they'd pick their feathers. I'm like, well, that's strange. I mean, you want to see what their reaction is with the decoys. And I know I overcalled those birds so that if I go back in there, they're going to be like, uh-uh, that's the idiot in the blind. <laughs> so, yeah, but you learn that way. Yeah, and that was awesome. That's the same thing with me deer hunting, sitting there watching deer in the early days when I always hunted the bogs, is I'd watch a doe lay down with two lambs. That One lamb would lay really close to her, and another one would be about... 10 to 15 yards away, and if you watch him in your binoculars, it's the little buck. He doesn't. He, he Every time I saw that, the little buck would always be further away from his mom than the little lamb that was a doe would lay right with her. And I saw that repeatedly. And again, you just learn things like that just by being And out. the only way that you're going to learn those things is by being very selective. Yeah, yeah exactly, and passing. Not but again, I was feeding a family of seven. And, and that's, you know, it's actually a very valid point because a lot of people don't realize is what the mo- – like – what you can get away with a deer, what what things that deer do in woods, what mm-hmm. I mean, animals in general, what they do, because when they see the first deer, they shoot. And there's something wrong with this. We're just mm. conversing about it, but 
you don't get to see that unless you're passing deer. Exactly. When you start passing deer, yeah. now you can see what you get away with. Well, that that movement that a doe may made when it was 20 yards from you, and you thought that she was going to bust you. She wasn't going to bust you. She was trying to scratch her ear, or yeah. she was going to well, the foot stamp. Yeah, you know, or all that weird stuff. I said I was always donating my meat to a family of seven, and I couldn't shoot a 100 pound buck. I, I could, but they're going to eat that in like two meals. So I always looked for something that was 180 to 210, somewhere in there. So I was able to have some really big deer in my life by being extremely patient and freezing to death. But you're right. By me passing all those deer and watching the little ones and the does, I learned way more than I ever thought I could have. Because mm -hmm. I was the same way. If I saw a six-pointer, I'm dumping him. I'm done. I'm out of here. I got my meat. That lasts me for the winter. But not with a big family like that where I was donating it. They needed the meat. So I would just stay put. And I passed a lot of deer, and I learned a ton. And you learn about what those animals do. It's the same it's, it's with amazing, turkey hunting. It's amazing. Amazing yeah. to watch does flag, which I never knew. But when they're in heat, they'll flap their tail and they'll push the little ones away. And you'll watch that big, small buck may come out and she'll run off. And you watch the big buck. I can't get around at him because he's 300 yards away in the woods. He won't poke his head out into that bog. He knows better. And she do keep flagging. You wait till the end of the season when we're getting towards the end of the rut. He's like, ah, screw it. And there's my chance. So I would wait, and that's I would wait for that big guy to make that mistake. Like you said, he didn't get big by being stupid. But that doe finally warmed down to where he'd poke his head out into that swale, and it's over. And, again, learning on that, watching them push those little does, or watch them lay down and chew their cud. How many people get to see a deer sit there and just lay there and chew their cud for an hour? And I'm cooking a sandwich on my on my, on my my grill in my tree stand. <laughs> I've got that little buddy heat up. i got to stay warm, He's dude. in a box blind. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've got pictures of me cooking, like, on Thanksgiving Day. I'm up there in the blind. I'm cooking a ham and cheese sandwich right on top of that buddy heater. And the wind's blowing right at him. And all those deer will do is pick their head up and smell and then put the head back down. And they'll just keep doing that. And the more rural you get into the area, like where I'm hunting now, you could smoke a cigarette. I've dropped my camera on the floor. There's houses all the way around me. They're used to hearing all of that. Like where you guys were, the further you get back into the woods, uh, uh, you, you can't even breathe. If you breathe through your nose, it's over. Those deer don't have never even seen humans. Exactly. They will bust you so quick if you're on them. They don't want to be around you. And, and again, learning all of that through the years. And again, it's pretty cool. I think it actually makes you a better woodsman absolutely. at that point. Yep. Because you're able to see what those deer do, what they react to certain things. Yep. Travel times, mm -hmm. travel paths. It's it's really neat. It is. It's it. And but you only learn that by watching that stuff instead of you know yep. seeing seeing what you can get away with. I mean, how many times is? I mean, we've probably all done it. Is a doe comes by and you're gonna pass that doe and you stand up and you draw back and see how many times you can draw back, <laughs> see what you can get away with yep. because. I mean, you, every it's practice basically. Yeah, but every single deer is situational too, though, because that next deer that you go to stand up and she's gonna catch you off. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just I did that as a kid. You just see like, oh, I got you, and you just look <laughs> at him in the scope, and you're just like, ah, never mind. That's what I used to do with the tree stand. How many look the scope? Snapchats did I send you last fall? That they're walking by and I'm like flipping them the bird, <laughs> fake, fake shooting them with my finger, you know, because I'm just waiting for a buck, waiting for a buck, and like you almost get frustrated. Like, come on, come on, let's go, get out of here. I yeah. got a buddy of mine that 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 he would. When they would walk underneath him, he'd spit on them. Mm -hmm. so I like throwing little pieces of bark at him off the tree. Yeah, I mean, it, who cares if that? Like I said, you just screw them with them. Yeah, you know. But with me in those instances, deer hunt, I'd go in in the dark, and I stayed in my tree stand till dark. It's a forty-five minute walk to the tree stand, 
and my buddies would text me, come on out, we're, go, we're going over here, we're going to hunt this property. I'm like, I'm not walking 45 minutes out of here, and I'm going to bust my trail all the way out. I've ruined it. So, but no, I'd go in in the dark and then climb up in the tree and I'd stay in that tree all day long until the sun went down and listen to the coyotes and walk back out. And that, and that's like you said, that's where you start having a lot of fun with, with those deer. You know, I don't want that one. I don't want that one. And that, that's, you learn a lot from squirrels, rabbits, everything. And you can see how different animals react to those deer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of, a lot of that stuff. Oops, I almost kicked the thing. That would have been bad. Especially with red squirrels busting you. Like, a home, yeah, usually you try to do a mental telepathy with them. You tell them to shut up. Or I'm just going to shoot you because I'm just going to make you shut up. But they bust deer as much as they bust you. Mm-hmm. I oh, can't yeah. count how many times I've been in my tree stand and had to swivel my head and go, holy crap, how big is that deer? And then realize oh, it's a six or an eight or whatever. But the squirrel bust him. The squirrel's pissed because he's under his tree. Yep. Or how many times you heard the blue jay squawking? Mm-hmm. So you got you got to look. Yep. You got to look. A couple minutes later, here comes horns through yep. the brush. Yeah, because he's in the beach nuts. Yep. He's get, yep, giving him a hard they time. They say that with bear hunting too, with the squirrels. The squirrels will give the bears away. Uh, a lot of times, what I've noticed when a, when the a bear's about to step out, everything goes quiet. Hmm. Maybe if they're they're coming, yeah. But right before a bear steps out of the bait, everything goes quiet. Nothing makes a noise, and they just step out like a ghost, just like humans. When humans are in the woods, it's dead silent when right. something's coming. When it's off, then it's different. But when they're close. Back to the squirrel thing, though. I, something I noticed, maybe it's just me. I'm curious what you guys think. I find that early in the season, you know, first couple sits in a tree. Say it's like a permanent, not a permanent set, but like a preset ladder stand or something. First sit, squirrel busts you. He comes over. He's barking at you, yapping mm-hmm. at you, you know, and you're like, come on, get out of here. Go, go away, go away, go away. After a couple sits... You kind of you got you become buddies. He yep, stops. He, he does, he's uh, like, all right, I know, yep. I know what's up. That's a cool. Yeah. You know, we're cool. You're my buddy. All right, and they leave you alone after the first couple sits. Yep. No, I totally agree. I, I've got pictures. I, I won an award at a photograph shop um, in Bangor. You just enter the photograph. Anybody could enter it. I had a chickadee on my gun barrel, looking in my scope, and then I had him on my shooting rail because we'd put up a seed bell, and they'd fly up between your feet and the stand and then they'd land on your hat you could hear their feet slide down your hat it was just a blast and like i said you just become friends with squirrels are the same way by about the third or fourth set you've seen him enough that you know he runs down there across that log yep. back this way then he comes back this way he won't mess you and i've had him go and, right and, down the tree behind me and he's seen you enough to yep. know you, hey, he's not, not really in danger yep yep we're cool we're, yep. we're buddies yep yep i need to spend cool. more time in that stand <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't work. If you're running and gunning and mobile hunting from different trees, it doesn't really work out. No, no. Like I said, my stand, once I go up in it, I don't leave it. I even have a little potty in my stand. If I have to go to the bathroom, I'm not coming down out of the stand. Not doing it. Because I know as soon as I climb down to the stand, there'll be a freaking eight-pointer or a ten-pointer standing at me going, dumbass. And <laughs> got out of the stand, didn't you? No, and my two big little blinds that I have, there's, that's... There's bathrooms in it. Yep. Yeah, it's just a like a three and a half gallon pail, whatever, with the little porta potty things. Wrap everything up at the end of the day, hike it out with you. It doesn't bother them, but I'm not getting out of that stand. It's a hell of a climb down in one of them. It's probably forty feet, so I don't want to climb down out of that. I'm getting too old for that. So now I have that ground blind where it's a piece of cake. That's a little house with a little. Well, I showed you. It's got a propane stove yeah. in there. 
Our all day sits, we just piss out of the tree stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the deer don't care. Remember no. the day, but back in the day, you used to actually piss in a bottle oh because you God, thought it yes. was going to ruin the hunt. Yeah. And then now, now you're just like, let it fly. They don't <laughs> care, man. How many times you pissed in a scrape and had a buck come through and that you know night? You that know? happened the same way you just said it. Somebody said, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to piss on that deer scrape. Yeah. Yep. I've had enough. It, because it probably. If it was their target buck, they just couldn't catch him. And one day they pissed in a scrape and they watched him come back and piss on top of him because yeah. they, they don't care. Oh, yeah. I think the day that I shot my big buck in Ohio, I think I pissed out of the stand about 18 times. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, they, like, just, I was just covering myself in they, it. They don't care. No. 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 But like you said, the, the wilderness deer, you smoke a butt, you do something foolish, you are done. There's done. definitely, there's definitely deer, like, the northern, the yep. northern deer. There's, there's a lot of deer that have never seen people. I mean, there, those deer you are definitely not getting away with. But nope. I think a lot of the deer that a lot of us hunt now, the rural deer, uh, yeah, they've become very civilized. Yeah. Yeah, they have. You know, those scents are. You yeah. know, obviously, scent is very important because you are in their living room. Yes, you know what absolutely. I'm saying? And you have to be very controllable about it. But there's some things in some areas that you can definitely get away with more than others. Yeah. Have I mean, you noticed that with the Sika deer? Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing about them is like the terrain, especially in the frag, it can get so thick that I feel like a lot of times your scent just drifts over top of it. It doesn't even sink down. You know, it doesn't really drift down into the frag as much, so they don't really catch your wind as much. But you definitely run into a lot of deer that they have never seen somebody before, so they do they do catch your wind sometimes yeah. and everything like that. But it's the same thing. I mean, some deer are not scared at all, and some deer, you they catch your wind and they're gone in a second. You know, it's just... Every one of them is a different different occasion. And it, sucks, and it sucks to get busted, too, because you're wondering what it was if you don't get to see it. That irritates me. I can't count how many times that's happened where you hear a blow or a snort wheeze and they're gone, and you hear the big thumps. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. what was that? That's the one. Yeah. yeah, that's the worst thing, though, about the sick of deer is, like, when they bark, they have a different, like, alert sound, and when they bark, it's, like, game over. It's then, done, done. Yeah. The you, whole area is burned up. Yeah, you might as well just climb out of the tree for the day. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's one Go thing home. like when a doe blows at you everyone says that that's it but no that's not it no no nope. nope. uh, i had does blowing the morning i killed my buck last they weren't blowing at me no 100 exactly. positive it wasn't me they were i couldn't even see them but there was deer blowing my wind was good and i'm like what in the hell are they i couldn't figure out what they were blowing at now a lot of times I, I swear to god in that ground blind that i have again sitting there all day and watching I've watched a doe do that communication to the lambs. I've seen this repeatedly in that field because I did the same thing. I'm like, what the hell? Is, how am I getting busted in here? Yeah. But no, she brought two two lambs out with her and she disappeared. And I'm like, oh, you went to get the buck. Yes. Bring him back into the field and I'll dump him. And she was gone forever. And then she started walking down the field and she started to eat and no buck. Well, the little lamb started going the other way up into the clearing and she would turn and she would blow and start stomping a foot and he would turn and come back. So you could be in a situation where I can see this because it's, you know, they're 120 yards apart. They're in a field. You can't because they're in the woods, and that's her lamb not paying attention. So she's blowing and stamping her feet to get his attention to say, let's go. Mm-hmm. Quit hanging behind me. And, again, yeah. that's just one of those things that I saw. I always thought the same thing. They blow your busted. Yeah. It, it's not. It she doesn't was, ruin the hunt. Yeah. No, it does not. I had clients in Ohio, same thing. They'd be sitting over a food plot, and they'd have – Deer would be blowing in the woods, and they thought they're busted. And two minutes later, deer coming out of the woods yep. into the food plot, right where the deer were blowing from. Yeah, they definitely communicate they're, that way. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, even just because they make that noise doesn't mean. I mean, like you said, you killed the buck right after. I've definitely had them blow, and it's not me. Hundred percent. Maybe another yeah. hunter or whatever Coyote. the case may be. Yeah, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. 
It's yeah, not like it, it, the sound you don't want to hear is the blow, the thump, and then the crash, bang, crash, bang. Then, okay, now I'm busted right. or right. something. Once which, they're spooked, yeah. What you really don't want to see is a little head bob. Yeah. <laughs> and then he got then the stomp. Yeah. And then the blow. Then yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. over. Yeah. The ears going back and forth. Like, a, or yeah. like that big buck that I missed. Yeah. I mean, he he thinks, well, I think he might have smelt me or her. But, I mean, I would peek around the tree and he's taking his, his tongue and licking his nose. And then I'd look back around the tree. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like 20 yards from me. And I'd peek around again. I'm like, you got to stop doing that. He's going to see you. Well, he was looking at her because she just peed right underneath that and i look again and his whole tongue is wetting his nose down with it i'm like i've seen this before he's looking for me or he's just she is so strong you know with the scent and so that was cool to see even though i didn't get to harvest him he just he, they're just clearing a lot of times when you see them they stick the their nose up and they just they they clean the yep. the scent off of their glands that are on their nose and then they get back to doing what they're doing yep. but it's, it's just so like it's sometimes so cool. it's bad Sometimes yeah. it's bad when they yeah, stick yeah. their nose and up and they start it was, clearing it. And you're she like, was Whoa. So, yeah, like I said, she was only 20 yards from him. So I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure all that winding was him going, that is her in heat. Right. So Especially being a little bit earlier in the year. Yeah. But no, you don't want to ruin a hunt. Because like, you, you definitely do get negative things in your head. You're like, oh, you know, it's over. It's over. What are you going to do now? How, many, how many times have you read a Facebook post where maybe it's a more newer hunter, a novice hunter, and he's like, I was walking into my stand in the dark, and I had I, I bumped a bunch of deer. Should I, is my hunt over? Should I back out? No, no get in no. the tree. It doesn't even get light out for another get, 45 yeah. minutes. Like, yeah, give it a couple hours. <laughs> you know? There's more than one deer yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, a lot of the times, if you jump a deer, say that you do spook a deer, you just climb, like when I'm mobile hunting, if I jump a deer or I bust a deer out of there, I'll just climb up that same tree right then and there. Mm-hmm. Or if I have a gun, I'll sit right there. Them deer will circle uh, back around to see oh what yeah. the they always going do. on. They want to know who Especially you are. Especially like pre-rut, rut. Yep. Yeah, I know them things are coming back around. And I know that there's a buck that might be coming into that area. So I'm yep. going to set up right here. You yeah, know? exactly. And that's the same thing with me sitting in that big ground blind that I built. I'll be in there. The sun's gone down. It's legal shooting times, just finishing up. And I've got four does out in front of me. So do I walk out the door and just get busted by them so they don't come back out? I love live decoys. And that's where I tell everybody, grab a coyote call and just haul on it. Go nuts with it and get those. I've had them actually stand there and look at me with the coyote call. Me too. Yeah, I've tried. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where I'm like, come on. Are you kidding me? But most of the time, one of them will break. And once one of them, you can jitter one of them, they'll all go. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I have had to step out and go, really? And then I just saunder off. But especially the fields around here, I'll just call somebody to come into the field if I have to, mm-hmm. and then just scare them off. So then the negativity's not coming from where I'm at. Yeah, you and know? that's what I did with those four Jakes. Even though I didn't shoot them, they went back up by me. It was getting late, and I texted the wife. I'm like, I'm gonna be late. I'm not leaving this blind until they go with the Nolan go to roost because I don't want them to know it was me making all the racket. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what the good thing is? I hope that turkeys never are able to smell. Huh. Oh, no kidding. Could you oh, imagine? you just sweat your balls off going into a place and <laughs> get wretched stank. And Oh, absolutely. If they could wind you, it would be oh, over. No, We'd yeah, never that, kill okay, one. Okay, that would be a very smart bird. I agree. Almost too smart. Yeah. I mean, everyone says they're stupid, but they remember enough. They're, they're dumb and they're smart in the same instance. Like like sitting on the ground, which I, I today with you, I, I don't do that. Sitting in a blind and get right. away with murder. And I've seen guys in videos of you twitch wrong. At, 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 like you said, 60, 70 yards, you are busted. So, and that's tough for me because I've never sat on the ground and hunted the way. I've always hunted from a blind and done it that way. And again, you can get away with murder in a blind.
But watching the videos of guys sit on the ground, nobody's twitching, nobody's nothing. Then you can watch those toms, their head, their eyes, they're watching. And the guy's like, I've seen enough. And they'll dust them. They get, and you know, I, and I've said this a couple of times, and I learned this actually from a good buddy of ours, Matt. He, you know, you have to literally watch their feet. Because when them, when them birds are in motion and they're coming to you and they get to that area, when their feet stop forward motion. That's it. It's over. I don't. I mean, that's the first thing you watch. You you have to read that bird when that bird comes in. And like when I had shot the double with Mardik uh, a couple weeks ago, you literally I know when they come into that clearing and they see like when he was talking about with in his hunt something's not right. You know right away. I yep. mean they. I mean when they start and they're coming in a forward motion and their act is you know they're gobbling or they're coming yeah, they're forward. Left the thing, right. thing is, you're calling. You have them so convinced there's a hen there. They they know there's a hen there, and they get to that point where and now there's no for, hen there. Yeah, and they're looking for anything. Right away, they know. So I just heard her. She should be right here, and she's not there. They know something. They up. know exactly what tree. Oh yeah, you're yeah, that's sitting the at. Craziest yeah. part. They know exactly what tree. Yeah. There's and, no and, question. Uh, bucks will do the same thing. Oh yeah, they will come right to the tree you called from. Yeah, and I remember I called you that year. I was hunting with a buddy of mine, and he had a fox bro. And I'm like, I ask you that. We'll take my calls. He goes, no, we'll just take my fox. Bro. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I mean, it's your property, your hunt, your birds. I'll go with you. And we went into this field. There's three humongous toms with like four hens. We belly crawled across this farm grass. They never saw us. We got within about 100 yards roughly. We're down over a mogul. And he hit that fox pro. All the toms folded up the tails and took off running. Left the hens. And I called Trevor. I said, have you ever seen something? This was not a junk call. Like somebody made a mistake on a, t- on a pot call. There was a fox pro going off with just the head noise. And the only thing Trevor and I come to, they must have been pressured by somebody doing the same thing. And they've heard that before because it was late season and we're in a college community where they get hunted hard. But I've never seen three toms just drop tail and all three of them run together. And these are three mature toms left the hens and booked it right down the field. A lot of times you'll see that with guys that call them on the side of the road. So like literally, if you're if you're driving around, like oh, sometimes they keep calling to the birds. Yeah, and they yeah. they now that's a negative to them. Yeah, um, it's getting more and more popular, and that could it easily is. be done there because the farm goes right to the road that goes to the college, and I'm I'm sure that and again nothing negative about it. Those boys love to hunt down that way. Um, we're down in the Unity area by, by Unity College. Yeah, and uh, you know Tyler told me he goes, you know these birds are are wrecked. They're called a lot. And I'm like I've never seen that happen where that call hadn't gone off with. Maybe four clocks and a couple of yelps on it. And again, they just folded the tail and gone. Insane. How how high was the the sound coming out of the Fox Pro? Not bad. No. No, you know, he didn't have it cranked. It, it was louder than it should have been. Uh, more than a pot call. Right. Yep. The only other possible theory I could throw in there is there could be a little bit of white noise that you can't, human can't hear in that recording. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's very it's possible. I'm not saying that's what it is, but it's definitely a thought. I mean, if it's too loud, that was one thing I was thinking of. Or they've just heard a million and one calls, and they've just they're just over it. You know, I mean, yeah, that's a good I, possibility. I would definitely say probably pressured birds. I've definitely yeah. had that happen before, where you call it a bird and it just turns away, it turns around, and just goes. Yeah, it's straight just wild. Away. You just don't expect that. Yeah. Like, so especially all three great big toms. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, we're gonna get hammered, and they just boop, boop, and they left the hens. That's like, wow, what a bunch of chickens. I mean, it, it happens late season. I mean, you see it a lot late season with the birds. I mean, it you know, like we we hunted a bird this week that literally we got into his bubble. I hit the call, no gobble back, no nothing. We sat there for quite some time, did a couple of sequences, get out of there. We drive back by where the bird was because we had circled back behind him. 
and the bird's not there. And we didn't hear no noise, no nothing. Hmm. He just, you know. He folded up shop. Yeah, and just disappeared. And, I mean, it, it happens. I mean, that's just a situational. But you think if you're in his bubble. Yeah. And, of course, depending on the calls you do, like a lot of guys say, don't do the, the, the purrs and the cluck, cluck, cluck because it's an upset hen. You always make sure you put the you know some yelps in there and and some some clocks to change it up so that it's not always the same thing. So that's one thing, and a lot of people don't understand. A lot of the times, some of the cutting, the different cutting, mm-hmm. is actually like a warning bad thing. Yeah. So like now she's pissed you fall or if nothing's something's wrong. So it's 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 how you react with him. So like if you're gonna cut cut cut, a lot of the times I follow it up with a yelp. So then Absolutely. it adds a positivity yep. to the end of it, which I don't know that it's that. That's just over talking to different people. Same here. I've understood yep. that that cutting sometimes can be then related to putting yep. or in that in that scenario. So you always cut, 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 and then I just yelp, yelp, yelp. Whether it's yep. the right cutting or the wrong cutting, I just now – Positive reinforcement. Just positive the on the back yep. end. And which, again, I never had to worry about that with box calls and pot calls. You could pretty right. much – you can get away with a lot with those. But now learning the mouth call, it's a different scenario. You, the, the real the – real, what do I want to say? The realization or the how realistic that sounds, mm-hmm. you could really get yourself in trouble quick by and, doing the wrong thing. And, you know, one thing that we add a lot, especially late season, is just, like, that ground noise. Ground noise is a huge thing. I yep. mean... Yep, purring in the leaves. Yep. Yep. Hitting the leaves and just little tiny yelps, yep. soft yelps. I mean... Yeah, guys just carry wings group. with them and flap mm-hmm. the wings and... Yep. It's just... It's making that full circle. You do it when you're buck hunting. You do that yep. when a lot of things... I mean, it's just... You you try to do those things to keep them, you know, a little bit more involved with what's going on. And, and try to pull them a little, little bit positive. Better. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, boys, what a great session. Yes, sir. <laughs> Marty, you look tired. Nah. Shawnee over here sleeping. Yeah. He's always sleeping, bro. He, he already got a nap in the sky. Yeah, yeah, I took a nice nap in the woods this afternoon. I'm good. <laughs> we got to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Well, Mark came down to hunt. So that's what Mark's doing down in, in Connecticut. So he came down to hunt. We hunted this afternoon before the podcast and kind of hung out. And Mark had seen a bird. Thought I saw a bird. <laughs> But it was on a bike. Was- <laughs> <laughs> Trevor set me up on a freaking. Well, it's like eighty yards away. There's a mountain bike trail that goes by. So I didn't know. Trevor will take you to some weird spots. Yeah, I'm so, telling you that. So right I'm now. old and decrepit. I'm deaf and I'm half blind. <laughs> and I just saw this something about the size of a soccer ball, brown or black in color, moving at the speed of what a turkey would be coming in. So because I look back at him and point, I'm like, hey, bird, 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 and then nothing. He calls and calls. I'm like, that's odd. So. We decide to let him sleep a few more minutes. So I saunder over in that direction to see what the hell's going on. Oh, there goes another mountain bike. I'm like, man, I could have had him easy. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's back there snoring, dude, drooling. Like, I'm like, all right, well, like, whatever, yeah, I look at Trevor, I'm like, did you see that? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, that's what I saw. It was a freaking guy on a mountain bike. Oh, well. I don't know. It happens. Mountain bikers around here is the big thing. It's yeah, definitely something that we definitely tally with a lot. No, it's too bad. They, I mean, five, six tags. That'd be nice. Five, six <laughs> on mountain bikers. Yep. <laughs> Shoot a liberal. <laughs> yeah, all you got to do is just tag the bike. Yeah. Turkey, <laughs> liberal nuggets. <laughs> Anybody? Liberal nuggets? No, not into liberal nuggets. Yeah, no, it's going to be sour. 
Liberal tears. <laughs> <laughs> gonna taste like tofu. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Not good. Well, hopefully we can get Mark a bird in the next day or so. We're gonna end up going out fishing. We kind of break it up, kind of hang out, and who knows what else we come up with while while Mark is here. Um, why don't we go round table? What drives you guys outdoors? Because we haven't done one of those in a while. We'll start it off. Martic. I just did one two weeks ago. Yeah, well, start it off, Martic. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't ready for this. All right, I just we'll did, go with Mark yeah. then. We'll give it to Mark then. He's no, what we talked about is going out and just sitting there by yourself, recharging the batteries and learning something new. And you won't learn it unless you do it. Is just get outdoors and enjoy it. I mean, it's it's a blessing. We're all blessed to live in this country as free as we do. I mean, come across state lines. Got my gun. I'm gonna hunt here. Buy a license and hang out together and do that. I mean, it drives me outdoors because it's the camaraderie. And you, I'm going to see something that I never saw before. It's like a guy on a mountain bike. Like a guy on a mountain bike. looks like a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that's what it is for me. It's just to, to, again, after all these years, I still enjoy getting out. I don't need anybody. I, I'll sit there by myself all day and still have a good time. How about you, Sean, man? What drives you outdoors? Just being able to learn from everybody else and, you know, get together with friends and new friends and, and you know, to be around guys that are much older than me and who have experience and are you calling Mark old? From. I am old. No. <laughs> he already said he was about to die and he's all decrepit. Okay. <laughs> so. Exactly. Well, I'm almost, valid, I'm almost 57. Wait so till he I'm starts running and gunning with Trev. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, I really look up to you guys and to a lot of people in the outdoor industry that I get to be around. And it's nice being able to learn and to be able to be around it. And like you said, the camaraderie and just even with like the trip to Maine, just being able to explore and adventure and just see things that a lot of people will never get to see. No, and the hunting community is like that, where we will take you under our arm. We all want to do the same thing and accomplish the same thing, which you don't find that in a lot of industries. No. You, you don't, especially the liberal ones. You know, they, they cannot understand why we do this, why we're all just sitting here chatting, shooting, chewing the fat. Where, you know, like I said, you, we never met before. Come on in the shop. You yep. know, here, have yep. some deer meat. You know, it's all about being the camaraderie. It really is, because we all enjoy the same thing. Right. How about you, Marduk? Um. So... I would say the the thrill of the hunt is something that I always chase because, like, um, you know, growing up, I was an athlete growing up, always playing sports, football, baseball, lacrosse, and there's there's certain certain emotions that you get as a kid playing those sports, you know, Friday night lights, you know, big game and all that stuff. And as you get older, I'm too old to play sports now, and I feel like there's there's that a dopamine drop that you get and the adrenaline you get when a you know, a big bucks coming in. It, it's something that you're always, you're always chasing that feeling. And there's there, as you get become an adult, there's not very many places you can turn to get those emotions. And I get a lot of that from you know being in the woods and and you know the thrill of the hunt. Absolutely, man. I absolutely love it, guys. Everybody whoa, out whoa, whoa. there. <laughs> I knew Trev, he was gonna do it. <laughs> East Coast Trev. What drives you outdoors? I knew he was gonna do it. You know what drives me outdoors is my friends. Honestly, everybody sitting around the table. Um, it's a huge thing for me. It's a big part of my life. I love chit-chatting with people constantly, being part of people's lives. I want to hunt with as many people as I possibly can, be around those people, adventures. I mean, it's kind of it's it's what makes me who I am, honestly. I mean, my friends is and the people, you know, even the listeners, the supporters, the people. I mean, I love just being around people 
in the outdoor industry and and being able to see a smile on somebody's face for something that they've done that they've never done that my crazy ass went and did and they're like oh i went and did this or i went and did that i mean that's a big thing that's what drives me to keep doing and moving forward and going above and beyond and spending time with those people and being in deer camps and you know that's that's a huge part of who i am and 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 that's really what drives me constantly every single day um it's just, it's huge, man. It's in my blood, honestly. It's a positivity. It is. I mean, it is. It's all about the positivity. Um, so for you guys, everybody out there, we appreciate you guys tuning in constantly. Um, there is a ton of videos on the YouTube side. Um, there's a ton more coming. Steven does a phenomenal job yeah, in producing that. that stuff. He produces the webs, um, in the, the podcast constantly, always doing a ton of work in the back end. Um, sadly, we missed him out on, on this podcast, but... Uh, he did a phenomenal job with all the YouTube videos that are coming out. Guys, go and check those things out. Give them a like. Uh, share them with some friends. Show some people what we have going on. Hit the subscribe, the notification button. It's what keeps us kind of going on. And for everybody else, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.